So we on now, but we on live now. But go ahead and finish. Okay. Just doing. If it come on here, that mug would be that much better. Cause it it'll be clear. All right. Got a few seconds left. I wish I could shift to the other thing. I'm about to say bump word by that jump. Still ain't installed yet? Yeah, I, put, I gotta go to... Um, what that don't call what the camera's all uh, name like when the camera thing is oh the iphone little shit got yeah, me some technical up. difficulties uh for all our people that's watching this live right now on youtube facebook trying to figure out some technical difficulties we're gonna get it right with you guys soon to finish installing uh -huh. well, i ain't gonna worry about it we can get to it all right then well Yo, 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 it's your boy Joe. It's your boy Greg. We're the co-pilots from Coast to Coast. We do the most. So what's your flight? Whatever it is, we got you covered. Hey, today, man, we streaming live from Facebook. The first episode of the New Year. Happy New Year to all our subscribers, uh, uh people that's been following this, man. Uh, how you feeling today, Greg, man? You know, everything good, man. Just blessed. Make it to see another year, man. You know, Happy New Year to all our listeners, followers, those that have been rocking out with us for the last year, so... That's what's up, though, man. I see you got your new mic, man. I'm waiting on my mic to come in. Uh, I found out today when I checked the online order, it was like it won't come in till uh till Friday. But I got me a dope mic, man. It's gonna be good, better sound quality, man, for the subscribers and our fans and everybody been rocking out with us. And uh, hopefully, oh, you yeah, have wait to try it out. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't yeah. wait to try it out, bro. Let's just go, man. So we're going to get right into it today, man. Let's start with the winner's circle, and let's talk about Jacksonville Jaguars, man. And the Jaguars, um, they won on Sunday. And uh, I wanna know, uh, what's your thoughts, Greg? Um, you want me to go on and get my grades out the way? Or you want to go your grades? We can go grades, man. We can go right and do okay. the grades. Let's do it then, man. Greg, grades. Cause I think my grades to prep your grades, man, they way different, bro. They different. I thought, you know, for me, but I'm gonna go ahead and let you go and get your grades out. You know, I had been so I had been so hard on us the last, well, I say the last two games. So I thought it was time for me to go a little easy on, especially after that performance. You know, I mean, you can consider who we played against, but I mean, I'm I'm, I'm gonna give us some credit. You okay, know, I, so I got your grades up there, Greg. Okay, so as y'all can see, man, the grades I got this week is totally different from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. I gave us A's on everything. You know, on the offense side of a ball, we was able to control the clock. The time of possession was 33 minutes, 29 seconds to 26 minutes to 31 seconds in favor of the Jaguars. Zero turnovers. We was able to take care of the football. 
317 yards of total offense. ETN accounted for 102 yards on the ground. And also congratulations to um, Evan Ingram for becoming the eighth tight end in NFL history to record 100 yards in a single season. So, you know, I gave us an A for the offense. On the defense, I also gave us an A. We held the Panthers to only 124 yards of total offense, recorded six sacks, eight tigers for a loss, and one takeaway or interception that was by Antonio Johnson, by the way, the rookie. Special teams, I gave us a Brandon McManus with 4-4 on his field goals. And coaching, I also feel like coaching, you know, I gave us a, I feel that, that um the coaching staff did an excellent job of getting the most out of the players considering the fact that we had a backup QB. And we and, and this was in a must-win game, by the way. And also having a, a, a receiving core that, that's kind of banged up dealing with injuries. And, you know, in spite of us losing the last four games, we was the better team going into this matchup. But we was able to dominate on both sides of the ball. We was able to also pitch a shutout, man. So, you know, I got to give us props, man. I was I would say that I was, I was impressed. You know, because you, I thought I knew that we would come up with the victory, but I thought it would be like maybe like we win by ten points or something like that. You know, but we was able to pitch a shutout. You know, twenty six to zero. So I got to give us props. Well, for me, man, I, I mean your grades was very nice. You was being very nice because I for me, I, I seen the, I seen the game totally different. So I'm gonna put my grades up there, and these are my grades, man. Defense, I get defense a B minus. Only reason why I'm giving them a B minus is because yes, we pitched the shutout. So I'm gonna give y'all high remarks because nobody they didn't score. But when I look at this defense, it's still a lot of work that needs to be done. The Carolina Panthers was gashing us early in that game. Like they was getting off. And the, the offense, their offense was moving the ball downfield. I look at that first drive with the Panthers, right? And no, I think it was the second drive. When they got into the, they got into like into the scoring range and they went for it, and I thought that was a dumb move by the by the Panthers because they could have kicked the field goal, and I thought they would have kicked the field goal that would have put pressure on our offense, which right. lead me into the offense grade was a C, because when you look at the way the offense played, although C.J. Beckford played well, but the offense still had those those hiccups in the red zone, um, and then when you look at just like the way the offense, it just didn't feel efficient. And when you're playing against a bad team like the Panthers, you should get everything rolling. Um, now, Granted, like you said, Ethan was able to get off. I think, um, you know, and I'm going to go, I'm going to skip special teams. We're going to coaching. And that's why I gave coaching a beat because I look at the way they called the game. They called the game very conservative game plan. It was like they was going to run the ball and they was going to go through Travis Ethan, which I think is a good thing, but against good teams, they're going to take away the run game. So you're not going to be able to expect Ethan to always carry the load. You're going to need your, your guy to step up, the tight ends, wide receivers to make those plays, and the quarterback needs to be more accurate with the ball. C.J. Bedford made a lot of air throws in the red zone, and he reminded me of how he looked in practice. The one time I watched him practice in the training camp, well, C.J. Bedford was just so inefficient in the red zone. So I think that had a lot to do with the play calling, and I think that's why I gave the coaching a B because I felt like, you know, we could have opened up the offense a little bit more, but we didn't. Um, special teams gave him an A. Managed, he bounced back. He he hit all his field goals. Um, and I think that was a good thing, man. 
So I think, you know, a question is now for you, Greg, is do you think that now with this win over Panther that the Jaguars are back on track? Um, It's kind of hard to call. You know, you got to look at the type of team that we played against. But I feel that we was able to do everything right in this game. Everything went our way. We was able to do everything right. So I would say that going against – Against this, um, going against the Tennessee Titans team, which is a more tougher opponent, due to the fact that we pretty much know each other. It, you know, it's a grudge match, and we know how these matchups go down. You know, Tennessee still want to play spoiler. They want to get some get back from last season, um, early this year, and also they want to be a spoiler to to the Jaguars. You know, so it's a lot of bad blood between the two teams. You know, um, respectfully, you know. You know, when we talk about in terms of football. Um, so I, I would say, man, it's still a lot to fix. And like what you were saying, I I, I kind of, in part, I agree. But, you know, like I say, I wasn't going to be so critical because we're dealing with a banged up team this week. We we, we got a banged up team. So we are. I, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, when you look at, like you say, we're conservative, conservative at times. I agree that we was, but for good reasons. But I will also say that when the opportunity presented itself, we did take our chance down the field. You know, we look at the um the pass to um to Agnew. I yeah. mean, that was like probably what a forty yard pass down the field, fifty mm-hmm. yard pass, which could have been a touchdown. But the defensive back was able to play good defense on that one, um, which would get the tackle. It was, you know, he had a touchdown saving tackle. So I would say that, you know, when you consider the fact that we had a, a backup QB, I would say the coach and everything went well. You know, mm-hmm. we knew that we went against we went against a team that had um a tough run defense. They they're hard to run against. You know, forget the record. Um, when you're going against players like Derrick Brown, um, Burns, you know, just to name a few, these guys are going to be no, tough to run against. Burns. Right. And so with ETN able to produce 100, 102 yards on just only 16 carries, I would say that was impressive. You know, you got to consider that he had two big runs. So he looked like ETN that we seen early in the season. You know. Yeah, man, I think right now, man, when I look at this Jaguar team, like you said, they are banked up. But everybody's banged up this time of year. Every Correct. this is this is the time that you you have to do some soul searching and being no, hey, this is what we're gonna have to do to win these games, man. Right. Like, nobody's coming to save us and, and we have to the guys that we got, the guys that we're gonna have. And they're gonna have to step up. Um right. my only concern about this team is just um just the inconsistencies on offense. And I think, man, now Yes, we still are producing turnovers, and we're probably one of the top teams in turnover, getting turnovers. But this defense is just—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm really concerned about this defense because with the injuries in the back end, um, and then just uh, can we generate pressure on a consistent basis? Like Josh Allen had a day; he had three sacks, I think he had yes on Sunday, right? He had, he had three, three sacks. And three also, sacks. Um, Trayvon Walker had Trayvon two Walker. as well. Right. So it's like. When this team is getting pressure, they they're good. The defense is solid. Right. But when we're not getting pressure and we're just letting the guys that's like able to just stand back there and like 
throw the ball and like giving them time in the pocket, man, this defense get ate up, man. We get ate up a lot of yards. And I want to say on the back half of the season, we probably one of the worst teams defensively, uh, right along with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I agree. And I just think that right anytime you have a team that um that when you don't have as much talent in your secondary for us, like when we're talking about our cornerbacks, mm-hmm. excuse me, you have to have a pass rush, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, man, in games, your pass rush is not going to always be able to get it done. Like, you have to have, like, what we call, like, you think about the years when we had Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, that a lot of times we had sacks that was caused to good coverage. Coverage sacks. We had coverage sacks, correct. And we don't get a lot of that now. Now we, don't, we have we really don't. like due to like you know complimentary football, we're able to get slight pressure and, and which forced the quarterbacks to make throws. And we have cornerbacks that's they're able to make plays. And and I and I give and I also give the unit props because they have all things considered, like we didn't expect much of them, but they have um, played past ex- their expectations, what we expected of them. So I have to give them props on that. But could our um, secondary be better? Yes, it could. Yes, it could. And I think that in order for us to take that next step, um, especially with our defense, we have to be able to um, we have to be able to cover, man. We have to be able to cover receivers down the field. We have to be able to get pressure. So it's like we have to be able to complement each other, you know. And also, man, I. It's- also, Boy, think I out, with our linebacker core, I think um, sometimes our linebackers can get lost. And, and, and a lot of times this is because we're playing in zone coverage as well. You know, a lot of times our linebackers get caught up in zone coverage. And I think those things we need to work on as well. But all things considered, man, I, I think that for the most part, we have talent on our defense. But I think we can get better in our secondary. Yeah, overall, um, I agree on your take on the secondary part because we don't really have – like, I think our corners are solid. Like, I like Darius Williams. I like Trey Hurton. I like um, Tyson Campbell. I like Antonio Johnson. I like those guys. It's just I don't think – like like you said, this defense is a complimentary defense. Like, when you look at teams like the Ravens, where they got guys they can take they can take the ball from you they can they can generate pressure they it's just it's a different like our defense is very different from a lot of defenses across the league like right. we have a, a bend but don't break type of defense but then we have a defense sometimes where the floodgates open and once it's right. open it's like you get whatever on our defense and right. I think that's what I'm concerned with is because we're going into the playoffs and we need to be shoring that shit up. Like we gotta shore that up. And, and speaking of that, I said we into the um I wanna show you this this uh thing here. Um this is the playoff scenario for Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's not a guarantee that we get in, man. I don't know if you can read that or not. Oh yeah, say yeah, if we lose, yeah. This this is a must win game, man. This you is know. a must win game, man. And you know, we have teams like, you know, you have Indy on our trail, Houston, Pittsburgh. So it's like we can't go in this game like, you know, a few other, you know, we lose. We need these other teams to lose as well. We have to win. You know, that's what it boiled down to. We have to play football. We have to get in here. We have to get the job done, you know, because 
I mean, if we don't win, we're we we don't win a division. That's the only way we win a division. You know, Indy and Houston are playing each other. So if we lose, they're battling for the division title. Exactly, and that's the thing, man. Um, we'll know our fate though before, cause I think Colts and uh Colts and Texas play. They play on Saturday. I think they play. They said and they have a prime Sunday Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, so they get they're gonna get that uh they're gonna get that Saturday night game or something like that I believe. So I mean it's gonna be a good game man between those two, um and let's set way into the AFC playoff picture man. We are gonna set way into that, and then let me show you the screenshot of that. Okay. The AFC, and this is the AFC playoff picture right now, man. Right. These are the teams that are in. Right now, this is what it's looking like. And then the teams are in the hunt. You know what I'm saying? So it's a big, like you said, next week is a big, it's a must-win game for us, man. Correct. Um, that's this game is not a gimme. And I think, you know, now the the every the attention to detail, the focus has to be on Tennessee. Regardless of Tennessee eliminated from playoff, this is not a, a layup game like the like the uh the Panthers. Right. Um looking at this playoff picture though, Greg. Um, you see both, uh, the Jags and you see Tampa Bay, not sorry, not Tampa Bay, the Miami Dolphins. Right. Um, other Florida teams of the AFC and I'm going to throw Tampa Bay in there. We're going to talk about them in the NFC playoff picture, but other Florida teams, which team you think will have the most success in the playoffs? Well, not being a Jaguar bias fan. What you think? I would have to go with the Dolphins. I mean, although due to the injury with Bradley Chubb, I still think they have playmakers on defense, and they still have one of the most, um, they have one of the most one of the most electrifying offenses in the game right now. You know, watching them is like watching the greatest show on turf. When you have um, weapons like Hill, Hill still have Waddle, and they have a, a solid run game, and Tua been able to get it done. I think that um. Their coach, man, has been getting the most out of their players, man. I think he's probably one of the – I would say, man, I would say he's the top five offensive mind in the game right now. Yeah. Yeah, Mike McDaniels is a great guy, man. He he, he knows how to scheme up stuff. Um, If I had to pick of the three teams, I'm going to go at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the only reason why I'm picking them is because I think right now if they could show up against – the Titans and dominate them, like play like the level that we know the Jacksonville Jaguars can play at, like how they was playing early on in early in the season. I think they can go on a run, man. We can go on like a nice look. All we need is what? You think, um, you think we're a better team than, than Dolphins right now? Three games. Yeah. Go 3 and 0. You go 3 and 0, you're in the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So I think easy, we can go on a run. You think we're a better team than the Dolphins? Now, I'm saying I don't think we're a better team than the Dolphins. No, I ain't gonna say that. But I think we can I think if anybody that can make a run of the Florida teams, I think Jacksonville is the one that can make the best run. And here's why I say that. Because I was listening to uh Ashante Samuel. Uh he has a podcast called uh wait whatever it's I forget the name of the podcast. But he was talking about tool. And I kind of agree with him because he was saying like basically like Mike McDaniels is the reason why Tua is playing is good, but Mike he also said that 
if the if everything is not perfect for Tua, he's not a quarterback that can improvise like, uh, like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. He's not that type of quarterback. He's a system quarterback, pretty much. Like if right. if he can't, if it's not going like according to on schedule, Tua tends to struggle. And we saw that this weekend against the Ravens when they took away a lot of his short throws. It took away. Uh, you know, I think Tyreek Hill got hurt. So it was like a lot of different different avenues. And they took all those avenues, took all those avenues from him, and it was just like to a struggle. And I just gotta agree that that may continue on because in the playoff, everybody's attention level goes up. Everybody's attention to detail goes up. So like the things that people let you get away with in the regular season, they're not gonna let you get away with in the playoffs. And I think that uh this Miami team will get exposed offensively um defensively they're they're okay but i don't think that um with some of the injuries they have i don't know if it's gonna be enough tampa bay man they could get in i think they won and done man i think baker mayfield show his true colors i wish he would have played like that against jacksonville oh man who um, you tell how he played against goddamn the saints but i think we know what baker mayfield is as a quarterback so what i think know? i gotta trust the quarterback and coach I'm going to trust Jacksonville, Doug Peterson. He's been there. Uh, we've seen what he's done with that team. Uh, I think it was the team right after the Super Bowl year they won. They struggled getting in. They got into the playoffs, and then they ended up beating, I think, the number one seed. Not number one seed. Well, it was like a top seed that year, the Bears, in the game, in a home game. So that's why I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I trust us more. But I do think the Dolphins are a better team. Well, you know, that's 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 understandable. And, you know, it was like I was saying about Baker Mayfield earlier this season, man. You know, he have games, you know, that he come in and he'll light it up. Mm-hmm. He'll have games. I mean, you'll look at him and say, okay, we have our quarterback, you know. But then it'll be like this going for maybe like two weeks. Then the next week, then you'll look at him and it'll be a piss poor performance like, and we knew it was like sooner or later this was going to happen. Now, granted, he do have good numbers. He have decent numbers. But th- my biggest thing is with Baker Mayfield is is being consistent. You know, when he when he's playing, when he's played, when he at his best, when he's playing good, he play good. But if everything is not lined, it was kind of like what you were saying with Tua, but I think Tua is a better quarterback than Baker, Baker Mayfield. He's more consistent. You know, if if Baker can keep the same level of consistency, he probably could be a top ten quarterback. I mean, yeah, because, he did. But we don't see that out of him. You know, we see we see glimpses, then it fade away. Yep. We see glimpses, then it fade away. Yep. And he and since he been in the league, he always managed to be in a good around talent. You know, when you look at um. Cleveland Browns. When he first came with Cleveland Browns, you know, he was around um Odell Beckham and, and um Jarvis Landry. And he um, had Nick Chubb. Joku. And he and had um uh, what's his name running back. Remember they had Kareem and Nick Chubb at one exactly. point. So he was and we went to the Panthers, you know, you had um had a decent receiving core there with um DJ Moore. Um Robbie Anderson, chosen that Anderson, you know, he's changed kept changing his name and name up. So he and you know he had a decent um Christian McCaffrey, so he had a a good team a good supporting cast 
Also, when he was at Carolina, now we look at he is at Tampa Bay. You got Mike Evans. Um, oh, Hall of Fame. Um, exactly. You have um Chris Godwin. So, you know, you're around a team that have talent once again. So it's like it's it's no excuse. It's you're gonna get the job done or you're not. So and so that's that's the thing I look at with Baker Mayfield. He's he's he can be a decent quarterback, but he's not consistent. Okay. I agree. Let's move on to the NFC playoff picture. And now this is this is not the most accurate one. We know that the Eagles lost, so that's eleven and five, and we know Dallas won, and we know Dallas is currently sitting in the second seed spot, and Eagles are sitting in the wild card spot right now. So, but other than that, if you had to look at this um this chart, who would you say out of the NFC that is the most dangerous team going into the playoffs? Well. The most dangerous team out the whole NFC. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, not the most. Well, I would say because we know about the 49ers. Exclude oh, yeah. the 49ers. What else? Yeah. Another team you need to just say, man, we might have to watch out for them. Well, I got, I got to, um, you know, got to stick with the top dogs, man. You know, you got mm-hmm. um Cowboys, but also I'm gonna say on the lower sleeper team, like like we always point out. Man, you got to go with the L.A. Rams now. I'm looking at them. It's like, you know, Matt Stafford is a veteran. Mm-hmm. And we look at now, nah, he look at re- his receiving core. You know, you got um, Puka Nicole. Um, You also got um, Cooper Cup. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, man, you also got a coach. So, team is able to find ways to win. I don't think they go too far, but. That would be a team that can upset a, um, can upset one of these top teams in the playoffs. And I'm gonna stick with you too, Greg. Man, looking at this list, I would probably say the Rams too, because one thing I know about Sean McVay, man, is this guy. He's a he get them guys get them guys ready to play. Cool. And even when they was having they wasn't having that much success early on in the season. And they stuck with it, man. And I mean, now they're actually, you know, a team that they've been playing silently pretty well. Like I know everybody's gonna say Detroit. That's a team that everybody kind of, I think everybody's consensus saying, well, they might low key make it to the Super Bowl. But this Rams team, man, I like them. And I think well, they got a running back now. Forget the guy name that he's playing. He's Rams playing good. Oh, they Defense. have. Um, they got Kyron Williams that that was at Kyron- Notre Dame. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I always liked I liked him when he was at Notre Dame, man. I thought he was a um a slip on pick when he went went in the draft. I forgot what round he came out. But I thought he was slept on, man. He was he was a dude, man, I used to watch, man, and, and I thought he was a good bike. And it's it's showing now. Yeah, it is, man. And if you just look at and the defense has been playing okay. They haven't been playing dominant, but they've been playing, like I say, they're another one of those uh defenses that are like the Jacksonville Jaguars. What plays? They are good complementary, a complementary team defensive team where they're not gonna always get all the stops. They're gonna give up some yards. They might give up a touchdown or two. But when they, if you keep it, if they, they defense keep it close, they don't let it get out of hand. Matthew Stafford in the fourth quarter, man, he he will get it done. Um, and that's why I had thought we was gonna beat the Ravens, honestly. And I'm just trying to take it back off of that a little bit because how well the Rams played against the Ravens that week prior gave me hope. But now, just looking at the way how everything's shaping out, I don't think it was just 
the Rams, it was more the Rams than the Ravens. It was the Rams was a great is an okay team. And they this team, I can say again, man, I, I ain't saying they're gonna make it to the Super Bowl. They down so can I can see like low key in the NFC, the way the NFC starting to pan out. I can see the Rams making it to the to to the NFC championship game against the 49ers and losing because you know Sean McVay and uh Kyle Shanahan was on the same coaching staff. So those right. guys like they they if they if they make it to the NFC Championship game, that's gonna be a good ass game. I don't give a fuck. Nobody telling you, let the Rams at San Fran make it to the uh championship game. That's gonna be a man, low key. Probably be one of the best playoff games of the um of the of the year. That's that's, def- that's definitely possible. It's just like, you know, my thing, I, I don't I don't see the Rams going too far. I think like they they find they gonna fizz out, but I I I can see them upsetting the team in the in the wild card round. But I just see I see that fizzle coming in, you know. Once you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't like going against. They're going to go. They're going to go against some of the heavy hitters. You know, I can see them making an upset in the, in the wild card. But division around, I think, man, that's where the uh, rubber meets that's the road. I think that's where it's a wrap. At. <laughs> and and also, it it's depend. It depends on who they play as well. You know, it depends yep. on who they play. I got you, man. You know? So. It's all good. So, um, we we've talked enough on the NFL. Uh, any final thoughts on the NFL before we roll into college? Um, no. Nah, oh, we may, you know, one of the things I was going to say, man. You know, we we've been talking about um the Cowboys and and the Detroit Lions game or whatnot. You know, right? And it was it was one of the things I pointed out, and um, this and, and I'm seeing like with Jared Goff, and I think that um. Think man, Jared Goff is starting to expose himself a little bit. I I don't know if anybody noticed this, but it's something that I noticed, and it was one of the things that I had noticed with um um what's the, what's the quarterback that came out to you with Jameis Winston um Marcus Mariota Marcus Mariota. You know what you know what um Jared Goff flow is. You know what Marcus Mariota flow was when he was in the league, right? What 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 I'm gonna say well. Watching him play, I think Mariota's biggest flaw to me was he didn't stay in the pocket long enough before he took off and ran. It was like he stayed back there, then it's like, oh, I'm going to run. Let me use my athletic ability. And right. he would take off running. It just seemed like he was never comfortable in the pocket. He was never like, like, he never trusted his eyes what he saw downfield. And I think that he questioned, he second guessed himself a lot. And that's why I think a lot of the interceptions he threw, things like that, because he always questioned what he saw on the field as far as, you know, in that pocket. And I think a lot of it had to do with just, you know what I'm saying? He had a lot of bad O line play in Tennessee early on. And then, you know, eventually, you know, we know how that went. Tannehill took his job. But I think, in my opinion, that's what I think was wrong, Tannehill. But what you think, what, 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 what your, uh, your take is? This is the thing. If you go back and look at a lot of film on Marcus Mariota, he was he was very talented. He was very talented. You know, I'm mm-hmm. taking that away from him. Marcus Mariota, biggest flaw was throwing an out route. If you look at mm-hmm. anything that, you know, with going an out route, you know, a lot of times these routes may get used like when you're doing a um a, a third and five or a third and two play. And he was highly inaccurate when it came to throwing these routes. And it's the same thing I saw with Jared Goff in the Dallas Cowboys game. You know, we look at the last play 
the very last play of the game when he was throwing when he that was an out route going to the receiver. If that ball is thrown perfect, thrown in the right spot, that's a touchdown, hands down. It like it's it's no way you're gonna um stop him from getting in the end zone. Right. And that wasn't the first time that he he, he had thrown an out route the same way. Matter of fact, the interception that came to um um I want to say that was Donovan Wilson. That was another out route that was thrown behind the receiver. So it's starting to show like with, with Jared Goff. You know, I, I think that um, you know, not saying that he's a bad quarterback or anything like that. He's a good quarterback, but I think he's kind of exposing himself a little bit, you know. And that's a major problem, you know, because you limit yourself with your playbook and the things you can do in your offense because if you're not able to be accurate on that route, a lot of times this tends to lead into a lot of pick sixes, you know, or your your um the defense having an interception and you giving up good fit giving the opposing team good field position because let's just say wherever you at is a is a two yard pass and if a receiver jumped that route or the ball is thrown behind the if if a cornerback jumps that route or you throw the ball behind the receiver and it's an interception, it's nothing but green grass head, head of the cornerback, you know. And so that's one of the things, man, I say that that kind of can um, hinder the Detroit Lions moving forward, man, is being inaccurate on, on certain routes. Well, I think for me, if, if anything that made him the Detroit Lions is um, I just think that you look at the way they've played all season, they've played good, but then they just had those head scratchy games. Like early on, it was uh I think they lost to like to like was it the Panthers they lost to? Oh, they lost to somebody they weren't supposed to lose to. I, 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 I don't Panthers, remember. Panthers or it was either it was one of them sorry teams they lost to. Maybe it might have been Arizona Cardinals, some one of them. They lost. And it's like, dang man, how y'all lose this game? And right. then when you look at the game against the Dallas Cowboys, and you, they they couldn't play another better game. They played <laughs> they played well. Um, right. now everybody's gonna look at that last call and be like, oh, you know, the offensive lineman did it. Is they was robbed and like nah, because like a lot of times, and this is what I was talking about a few weeks ago when it comes to the fundamental things about football that they lost to the Packers. The Packers, okay, Packers. I knew it was one of those games. That was early in the season, right? Um, probably a few weeks ago. Let's go. Well, that, they, they flip. They flip. Went went on. They won the first matchup, and the Packers won the second matchup. Yeah, I think they won. They lost to the Packers in the uh, second matchup. I want to say this was early on. This was like maybe like week four. It was early on in the season when the when the when the uh, Seahawks probably like week two against the Seahawks. That's probably what it was. The Seahawks, was, you know, I don't. I don't think the Seahawks is a solid team. I don't think they get in the playoffs though, but. I mean, they're in the hunt right now. In fact, I think they've got a, a wild card spot in there. Right. I don't think the Seahawks is going to get in. They get in, they'll surprise me. But I just think that this Detroit Lions team, man, you know, they have some games where they just – it just seems like they don't – everything is not clicking. It's like, dang, man, like they were just playing good last week. Like what happened? Right. And, and you mentioned something about Jared Goff. It's just like – not like – Jared Goff has been pretty consistent all season. But – he do have those games like it's like he often like the Lions game. I mean the the Dallas game where he 
he threw a bad pass and it was just like, right. bro, like you gotta throw that in that quick situation, you gotta make that throw. It's you know a, what I'm saying? And, but and it's like when you bring a Rick into the to the um when you bring a Rick into the league or whatnot. A lot of times you watch and you know what he can do and what he can't do. Because some players are limited, some not, or some end up catching on. And when you watch these guys, you're like, okay, we're going to stay away from certain things and we're just going to concentrate on what this person can do. But when you're when you're um one of those teams or you're like, let's just say, six years in the league, whatever the case may be, just throwing a number out there, and you're one of those players that the team depending on, you're not supposed to be that player that, that need to be disguised from anything right now. Mm-hmm. And... I, like I said, I don't know if other teams caught on it. It was something I noticed. Maybe it was a bad game, but I noticed that this was this particular route. You know, he could not make this. You know, throughout this game, and in, in, in crunch, and especially in crunch moments of this game. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't say that it was. You know, people can you can point out Cowboys got a good defense. No, this was due to. The ball thrown inaccurate. It had nothing to do with the Cowboys having a good defense. It was just the ball was off. It was off. He was off target. Now, we'll, to the to Jared Goff defense, no, I'm going to say this guy has has been to a Super Bowl. And he took a, led a team to a Super Bowl. Now, we know that was more Sean McVay as far as play calling. And I, I would say that it. If you look at if you look at that Super Bowl run, right? I recall it. I want to say they was they went in as the as as the top seed that year, mm-hmm. and I remember the game they played in the division round where they played against the Cowboys. And if we look at this game, you look at um, if you look at this game, man. Jared Goff rarely threw a pass that game. You know, the game was on the shoulders of their run game, and through and this was throughout the whole. Throughout the whole playoff, we go back and look at it. And, you know, people say, yeah, Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. But in those moments in the playoff, Jared Goff was not a factor. He was not a factor. And then we go and look at the Super Bowl when they tried to get him more um, into the offense. I mean, it was it was night and day from the quarterback that we saw in the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I, you know, I'm not saying that he's a bad quarterback, but I think that, you know, he could be kind of limited just from what I'm seeing. You know, his play kind of looked the suspect, you know. And it's not me being to hate anything, but just go back and just look at it. You see what I'm saying? That's what's up, though. So let's say it went to college. You know, I've been wanting to talk. I know you've probably been bitten at your chops to talk about this, man. You know, know. so let's talk about. Um, for first, thing, where you want to start? You want to start with recruiting, or you want to start talking about the the, the bowl the bowl season? Which, Let's which go and get the bowl season out of the way, man. I think that you know they you know they want to go ahead and get, get to it or whatnot, so we can go ahead and get that out of the way. Let's go ahead, man. So we know Texas and Bama both took L's. You know what I'm saying? College playoff committee. You know that's who they chose, right? And my question is because I I went on my rant earlier today. Correct. I had a bunch of I got a bunch of idiots. Not everybody's an idiot because I'm not going to call people. I'm not going to insult people. Some people are – I take that back. I'm not going to call them an idiot. Some people are misinformed about football. And I think a lot of times people, they take their talking points from ESPN and Fox Sports and they don't come up with their own conclusion without watching the game. Right. And 
I had a bunch of people in my in my comment section saying a lot of crazy stuff. I had just people on YouTube telling me I don't look like I'm a, I'm an idiot and all this other stuff. So I want you. The floor is yours. Does the as a Florida State fan, you know, get off your bars, man. I'm gonna say this, you know, just looking at the game, both and I went and watched it. I was doing. I was sitting, you know, just watching the game. They were good games, but that don't take away the fact that. We should have been in the playoff. You know, you know, a lot of people want to look at it like get over it this year. You want to look at the um the matchup we played against Georgia. If you look at it, we only had one dude that was in our starting lineup that played on our defense, and that was Patrick Payton. You know, majority of our team, you majority of our starters did not play against um Georgia. And I'm glad you pointed something out. We look at the only player probably from Georgia that didn't play. That was, you know, that didn't enter the transfer portal that went to the NFL. You look at uh, was brought bows. The rest of the players that they had was that didn't play was people that was going in the transfer portal that wasn't even in the starting rotation. Exactly. You know, these was just players they had on the roster that opted out, but they wasn't like key contributors in these wins. You know, and we look at um. You know, Brock Bowers been absent for most of the season. They was able to get the job done. So, they was a good team even without him. Uh, <laughs> what they say? Um, what they say? So, you tell oh, me. Let me, let me move the banner. Let me move the banner. Okay. I'll let you read this because that's what I was funny. Okay. It's, yeah, they say. Um, <laughs> so, you tell me FSU backup couldn't have done. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I said the same thing. Hey. 116 and, yards. Salute, salute Antonio Ivy, man. And Correct. Ronald Reeves for dropping this, man. I had to pull that. I want you to see that, though. Right. And, you know, I also seen the same thing. Like, And people have to understand. And this is what I want people to understand because a lot of people are going with the narrative that we was going to play with the same quarterback, um, Glenn Brock, that we seen in the Louisville game. We have to understand that we were going to get Tate Rotomaker back and this was going to be our quarterback, which is a competent quarterback that we did see play last year in a lot of games. We've seen him also win games for us in the absence of, of Jordan Travis in a few games last season and was able to come out victorious. So we have to get past what we've seen with um, Brock Glenn. And so I think that what, what a lot of people was looking at, oh, if this is the quarterback we're going to see, then we don't need to see him. I mean, regardless or not, we still deserve a chance to be in. You have to play the game. But our starting quarterback, once we got in, was going to be Tate Rotomaker. You know, and I already know what he can do because we have seen this before. And, you know, like I say, people are going to look at this and, and it's going to be their way of saying that, oh, I told you so, but you have to look past, um, you have to look past what's on the surface. You know, we didn't play. Majority of our team did not play. You know, you had players come back that was suspect that came their senior season because they went in hopes of winning the national championship. This is why these players didn't play. You know, if I came in, I put I came back my senior season to win a national championship. I did not come back to win an expedition game, to play in an expedition game and and risk being injured and lose and fall down on my draft stop, lose on my draft stop. You know, some people, it don't make sense, but to me, it do. You know, to each his own. And so, 
And it, it was and it go back to what I was saying is that, you know, people look at the brand, the brand protecting the brand, college football brand, NFL brand, you know, and we forget that these players are branding their own names and trying to make their own, you know, they trying to make the things go for themselves as well. And we tend to forget that and feel that they supposed to sacrifice everything for the sake of the brand, you know. And like I said, we have to stop seeing things one sided. But um like I say, man, just because it was a good, that don't mean the committee got it right. You know, we could have also played in the game. It could have been a good game. But like you say, we'll never know. It is what it is. It's, you know, it's water on the bridge. One of the things I'm grateful for, though, we did get us a quarterback to go into next season. So hopefully we can continue the same magic. And it's going to be hard to leave us out of the 12-team playoff. Right? You it, feel me? It is. I think my biggest thing that, you know, Getting off, and now everybody, you know, you know, people telling me to let it go and all this. I'm like, yeah. I got to speak for the fan base, bro. Like, Not I got to be the mouthpiece for the fan base, Florida State, and you got to be the mouthpiece for the fan base too. So for me, man, it's just more so like, like you said, these players are brand. I had, I had one, uh, one guy in the comment section say, "Oh, them guys didn't have heart because they, they should have played for the university." Like, motherfucker, fuck it, no, The committee told me, fuck me. Basically, Correct. they said. When they didn't pick me, so why would I want to go out, entertain in an exhibition game? Some fans are, you know what I'm saying, just for for, for school pride. At this point, man, right. sometimes you got to put that pride aside, man, and your what school pride anyway, because like at the end of the day, like they ain't benefiting me in the long run. If I, like you said, if I go out there and get hurt, and we seen the quarterback from AM, first play of the game, broke his arm. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he was, I think that guy was a senior. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, if he was getting drafted, his draft stock now is out is in question because it's like, bro, like you you're not gonna be ready for the season, right? And, and it's, it's just I think a lot of people, you know, they get so wrapped up in their emotions when it comes to some of this stuff when it comes to the players not playing and stuff like that. But it's like, bro, like I gotta look out for me. That's why I never get when them guys sat out. I, I mean, and I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I kept saying, man, I just hope they play. I just hope they play because I knew. Them guys weren't going to play like, you know, like you right. said, people want to talk about, you know, Mike, the culture of Florida State. Because that's been a big question in the last couple of days about the culture of Florida State. The culture is great at Florida State. Oh, yeah. But Mike Novell, do understand he's a player coach and he's played co college ball. He understands things like, man, you know, you got to protect. I got You got to protect yourself, man. Right. I'm not going to sit here. I would want you to play, but I understand that. You got a bigger goal, the NFL draft. Right. You got the combine. You got the and not to mention some of these guys gonna play again. They gotta play in the senior bowl. Correct. You see what I'm saying? So I got to go, you know, in the senior bowl. And get there's ready gonna be NFL combine. draft scouts out there looking. So I'm trying to protect, to protect my bag and my investment. Right. So I never was I never was it, but you're gonna have some people that's gonna say, Oh man, well, Georgia had people sitting up and did this and all this other crazy crap but it's like bro when you look at the players that sat out for florida state they had about 95 percent of the production i told i said i told i told phoenix 85 then when i did my research it's actually 95 percent production right you know what i'm saying i don't give a damn if it was alabama georgia lsu ohio state michigan all the teams you want to name if you tell me 95 percent of your production is gone and they're not playing, they're going to lose that game. Exactly. And, and you can't can me. They're going to lose it. 
You can sit here and then, and I already know some people gonna bring this shit up. Well, LSU played with a backup quarterback and they won. It's two different stories, bro. Come yeah. on, man. Let's 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 be real here, man. Let's be look freaking. But look at how many of their starters that they played. They had they start receivers. You know what I'm saying? Like they had they had majority. They start. They had neighbors. They had all these start receivers out there. You know. Yeah, man. Mean? So. You know what I'm saying? I like, then, like, you know. I like what Mark Rich pointed out, though, man. You know, I like what he said. He said, this is something that got to be fixed. You know, he said, and he pointed out that, um, you know, look at what, what happened because of the committee got it wrong. This is what happened. This, these are the results that you get when you play this type of game. When you play these type of games, these are the results that you get, you know. And so, um... Like I say, man, some you know, one thing I know about fans, fans just want to be entertained, you know. And oh. a lot of times, man, us as fans, yeah, you know, we want to be entertained, but we have to stop looking at things one-sided. We have to look right. at it from, from both sides of the field. We have to look at it from the business aspect. We also have to look at it from the player's point of view as well, you know. And we have to stop just looking at things from a, a, a fan standpoint, you know. Half the people that 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 like to critique and throw out all these insults probably never played a game of part one a day in their life. You know, they don't know what it's like to get hit. They don't know what it's like to get banged up. They don't know what it's like to go to practice, have two days. They don't know what it's like to, you know, you go in the classroom, so, so the next day. You know, they never had to experience these things. So the only thing they can do is just put their two cents in and, you know, sit back and just view the game and just want to be entertained. You know, and and I, you know, I understand you you want you want to see what you want to see, but we have to look at this thing from both sides. You know, we have to, can't just look at this thing one side. That's that's all I've been saying. In most of my arguments I've made, you got to look at it from the player standpoint. You always got. I mean, because that's the the world we live in now. We're in a in a world where the the, the players matter. Now, right. back in the day. It didn't, but you know, it, it does now. And then another question I want to, another thing I want to throw out there when it comes to bowl season is, you know, Kirby Smart said something in his post game conference, and he basically was just saying they need to change the bowl system. And I really do right. think they need to change it. I had one uh, guy on Facebook, and he he mentioned it was a great idea, and he said basically was, you know what, we scrapped the bowls right. We scrap all the bowls, and then all those bowl payouts. Because, you know, we have so many bowls. They get paid out for all these different bowls. Right. How about, you know, now if we're going to have, like, say, the Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, the big, the big, the, all those bowls, if right. those are the bowls that, you know, we're going to watch for entertainment, how about we pay those players? So then it's like, okay, the guys won't sit out. So if you get make it to the Orange Bowl or something like that, all right, every player on that roster on that on that team, you know, starters get say a hundred thousand dollars, backups get say, you know what I'm saying, a high of the, the money, the monetarily whatever it is, right? And you, that way you will have less holdout. So now if a guy get hurt, well shit, well I got at least I got some money coming to me. You know what I'm saying? I got right. I got I got an incentive for playing, but right. when you're not giving a guy no incentive to play. Shit, I wouldn't play either. So I just thought that was a good idea. Uh what one of the uh one of the guys said um on Facebook. And then also I wanna uh ask you too, Greg, is what's your thoughts on um 
people just basically saying that this might be a possible setback for Florida State. A possible. I I, I have to disagree because we have to look at um. We have to look at what came to us this year. You know, we look at in the transfer portal, we had got Marvin Jones Jr., you know, that came our way. Came from Georgia, by the way. Um, and we gotta look at we just got um DJ um um DJ um DJ Uncle Laley. We just got him, you know, quarterback, one of the um top quarterbacks coming in the transfer portal. So I don't see it as being a, a setback, but I, I see a lot of stuff like, you know, a lot of stuff getting thrown out there, man, for us. Like, you know, from my understanding, um, the SEC denied us to go into the SEC. You know, we got we, we they just um turned us down from going to the SEC. And so I guess it's like, you know, we looking at going into the Big Ten. You know, we can research this, don't quote me on it, but this is what I've been hearing and everything like that though. So um I'm definitely looking to that too. I think that I think that you know, yeah, possibly like like you could have like some people that may be hesitant, but that's just a few. But I mean, like you say, man, when you when when the culture is there, it's there. You know, it's no way to refute that. Right. You know, when it's when it's there, it's there. You know, and and a lot of times that come with with you. You know, when you have your 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 boosters actually actually believing in division. That your coach got set out, and I think that they believe in believe in Norvell because we seeing we seeing the productivity we seeing each year that he has gotten better. You know, we just seen we just went thirteen and zero, an undefeated regular season. You know, and so we seeing you know we get we getting better each year. So I don't think that you know I don't think it's no setback for us. You know, now we could come in next year and lose a few games. We don't know. But I don't think it's a setback. I still think that we get our recruits and everything. I think that we can do a better job at recruiting. But I think that we still going to be a good program for years to come, man. As long as Norvell there, seems like he know what he's doing. I think he is, man. And I think, you know, Mike Norvell got this. He got a well-oiled engine. Like, I, I agree. We can do a better, better job recruiting. Um, but I like what we got. So let's set way into that, which we're talking about early signing period. And okay. I want to put up, I'm going to put up this, uh, I'm going to put up this thing here. And this is like the ranks of all where all these guys landed at. Not all landed, I'm sorry. Right here. I don't know if you can see that. But I circled, you can see the logos, right? Right. So you see where Florida State sitting at 10. I think Correct. Miami's sitting at about eight. No, I'm lying. They're the top five recruiting class. That's 24-7 right there, right? 247 Sports, yep. Yeah. And then you got uh Florida sitting at, I think, 17, which I got like them circled 15. on third column. I got them at, yeah, I got them at, um, matter of fact, yeah, I got Miami at five, fifth, um, yep. Florida State at 10, and Florida at 15. 15, yep. Right. So you're saying it's the same rankings, man. Correct. And so my thing is to you, Greg, Winners and losers for early signing period. Who you think are the three schools out of the state? Who is the best winner? Um, in the West and the winner loser. Oh man, um, it, it's kind of hard to say because believe it or not, I can make a good case for all three teams. And okay. so I, I think that just you know I just got to point out the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, but go ahead, break it down, bro. 
I have to look at that. You know, we look at Miami, right? You know, they rank at number. They ranked at number five. They had five, five. I mean, they had um two five stars come in. And, um, defense line. Um, um, Justin Scott from out of Chicago. He was the um number seven player in the nation and number three at his position. They was also able to get um Armando Blunt back from us. You remember he flipped and came was coming to us mm-hmm. at the last minute. We lost out on a defensive lineman out of Miami, Florida, which also a five star. Um, he was the um forty one in the nation and ninth in his position. Um, they was able to get two five stars and eleven four stars. Um, early signing period, so I think that they did a good job as well. I would just because their ranking position, I guess you could say they did the best. But my only thing is this: I didn't really see where they landed a, a quarterback they could have, but I might have missed it. And I think that because they was trying to get Cam Ward. You know, they could have got, but, you know, and I guess, you know, obviously they could have the, the guy coming back from last season. They got the freshman. They're going to ride with the freshman that's coming back next year. Right. You know, when I look at Florida State, um, when I look at us, um, I look at, man, we, we, we didn't bring in we, – we didn't bring in no five-star players, but we brought in um, 15 four-star players. You know, we have the quarterback, um, Luke, from out of Savannah, Georgia. He was um, 35th in the nation and fourth at his position. This was a good sign for us, man, having a quarterback, man, fourth in his position. So that was that was a good sign for us. And we, although we wasn't able to keep, um, we wasn't able to keep Bolden or Blunt. You know, Bolden went to Georgia and, and um, Blunt ended up going flipping back to um, Miami, we were able to get Charles Lester III, the cornerback, from out of um, Venice, Florida. He's 59th in the nation and fourth in his position. So um, I would say the good in that we was able to get a quarterback, um, finish 10th overall, early signing day. But the ugly part, the bad and ugly part, that we had two players flip from us. And it was like the same thing with the um with the dude that went to Colorado. Um, oh, you talking about uh, what's the boy name? The cornerback. Cornerback played, you know, played for Coach Prime. We yeah, played for Coach Prime, the two way play. I can't think two-way his name. Play, no. my head. Travis yeah. Hunter. Travis Hunter. Yeah, it was the same yeah. thing with him because we lost out. And you know, like um, you know, it's it's been a while since we was able to sign a five star player. I want to say um last year, ha- Hakeem Williams was a five star player. But on some people, boy, he was also a four-star player as well. So I don't know how they got that rank. Some most have him as a four, some have him as a five-star. Yeah, because you know two four seven, then you got uh yeah rivals, rivals, and you got a couple other different that right. they rank them. They rank them different. Correct. Um, look at Florida, man. Florida ranked fifteen overall. Overall, you know they was able to sign two five-star and um nine four-stars. Their biggest, their biggest move, man. They was able to come up with DJ Lagway, man, from out of um, Willis, Texas. He was um, the fourth best player in the nation and number two at his position. The number one player in the state of Texas. So they came up big with getting him. Um, they was able to sign um, it was um the defensive lineman um LJ McCray from out of Daytona, Florida. 
I want to say we was trying to get him. We was trying to steal them from, from it, them. We were trying he was. To and he was the number 16th player in the nation, number two at his position. And he was the third play, third best player in the state of Florida. So I think with them also, although they rank 15th, and we know that that number can change. You know, they can move up in the rankings, but although they rank 15th, I think the thing about Florida, what, what um, I liked it about them, that they was able to come up with DJ Lagway. And that was big because although they was losing out on a lot of their recruits that that flipped, you know, because, they, you know, they had players um, transfer like um, Trevor Etienne. Mm -hmm. I think by being able to keep him, I think that was good. And I also think that that secured um, their coach's job for the season. Yeah. I will say this too, man. You know, when I look at the winners, losers for the assignment period, I'm going to say, you know, Miami did a thing. I'm going to get them hands down. They did a good job of recruiting. My only thing about I question Miami fans is, do you trust goddamn Mario Cristobal? That's Motherfucker right. recruit his ass off. We know what he can do in recruiting, on the recruiting trail. But listen, not you trust. You look at when they played against us, right? Don't you know they had more four- and five-star players than we had? Yeah. That's yeah, why I say. And, and, and that's the thing about Miami is they can recruit their ass off. Correct. But but can you develop them? Can you make right. them better? And I think that's where I give them the credit for recruiting, getting that they getting that great. I give them they did better than Florida State. Right. But I just think that we have to look at Chris Ball. Now, when it comes to Mike Novell, I think we have a great job of developing, but we just don't know how to damn recruit. We this have to get better. This is the second, third year in a row where we've had a five-star guy flip on us. Right. And it's starting to become a, 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 a trend. <laughs> Like damn, we can't never keep these guys on yeah. in our in our building. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's something that Mike Novell, his staff is gonna have to address. Like, hey man, what are we doing on the recruiting trail? Whether it's if we're not following up, no, you know, talking to him every month. Cause I mean, I hate to say it, with high school kids, you're gonna have to massage that ego. You're gonna have to talk to him. Make sure that hey man, you the only guy that I that I want. Gotta kind of lie a little bit. That's what recruiting this recruiting game. Cause the crazy part about it is. Although these guys got these high ratings, Miami, even Florida, I can guarantee you some of these guys are going to be in a transfer portal next year. We okay. already know there is. So it's just, it's a matter of we might get this guy. We might get Blunt. I, I feel like we might get Blunt. Just like we got Marvin, how we got Marvin Jones Jr. You know, he was supposed to be committed to us. He flipped on us last minute and went with right. Georgia. Now he coming back home in Florida State because, like, you see what I'm saying? So, I think we're going to get a lot of those guys that flipped on us. Once they see, okay, how they doing in Miami, I think that guy, Blunt, he going to come back. Oh, yeah, he going to come back home. Going to come back where he want to come at. Um, and even some guys from Florida, might we might get them, which I think, honestly, I felt like Florida did a better job recruiting than we did because um, you look at the Ladway guy, and it was the uh, they got a defensive guy too as well. Yeah, um, LJ McCray from out of Daytona. Yeah, that guy. Um, you know, those are two big, you know, those are two big steals, man. I don't think, I didn't see Billy, uh, Billy Napier pulling no five stars. I didn't think he was going to do it because, right. man, everybody, it's like, you know, transfer portal with those. They didn't have a lot of people transfer out too. So. got to look at Florida also have been recruiting better than us over the last few years as well. Exactly. I mean, exactly. When he had Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen was recruiting. Even though he didn't like recruiting, that was one right. of his knocks. He didn't like to go on the recruit trail, but 
I mean, Dan Mullen was getting them too, man. And so I just look at, you know, when it comes to this, man, Florida State, I think we lost in this one. Although we do have a higher ranking than Florida, um, I just think that we could have did a lot better on the trail. But I think what Mike Norvell is doing, we talked about this a little earlier, right. you know, he's going to hit that transfer portal hard. And I think out of all the coaches in college football, uh, Mike Norvell has been the most successful in the transfer portal. Like, everybody going to hype up. All y'all Dion lovers, I know y'all want to hype up. We number one transfer portal. We got number one. All that shit don't mean nothing. Because when you buy, get in players that can't really contribute, it don't mean nothing. That you getting developmental guys, you gotta come and you gotta coach them up or get them or whatever. But when you look at Mike Novell, man, we've hit we've hit gold on transfer portal every fucking year. Whether it be Johnny, 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 um, Johnny Wilson. Before Johnny Wilson, we had the boy Jermaine Johnson. Before Jermaine Johnson, you got um we had got Trey Benson, because he came from Oregon. So yeah. I think Mike Novell does a good job of identifying guys that's in his that's in the scheme that he's trying to run, and he can find guys that can fit. And I want to be on the lookout too. Mike Novell ain't done signing the boys in transport. I read something on uh in Noah's only Facebook group where they have some guys skills for some uh some business this this week. They got a guy from uh I think is it, I think he's from Mississippi State who was like a top receiver. He's a, yeah. it's a SEC guy. Don't quote me. He's from Mississippi State. Are he from Arkansas, one of them schools, and they he's on Florida State visit the schedule. Okay. Um, there's a D line from um uh, from one of them sub power none power five schools, very productive guy. He's coming in for Florida State, kind of like a fist guy. He's gonna you know what I'm saying he's on the D line, right? Um, I forget he from one of them schools like Western Michigan or something like that. I know that's what fist from Western Michigan, but I'm just using that as a point example. But I look at it as Mike Novell ain't done. He's seen his game, and I think he knew against Georgia, he'd seen what the fishes we need. And I think uh, by the end of next week, we're going to have some more guys sign outside of DJ, man, on the transfer portal. And I think they're going to be better quality guys. And that's the difference between Mike Novell and a lot of other guys that go into that transfer portal. Like, a lot of people use the transfer portal just to get guys, like, pretty much like, early signing period like high school kids they're using the portal to replace their recruits a right. lot of a lot of a lot of teams are doing that um but i think mike novell has a, a a very special secret sauce where he can recruit he ain't the best recruiter but he can recruit but then he can go in that transfer portal and be like all right i can bounce the ross like that and i think that's the right he also team. can coach too he can coach too coach his ass off and i think that's you know moving forward the successful coach is going to have to be able to look at the transfer portal, balance that, and then look at recruits. And I think that's just going to be the key because this is a new era in college football, man. And I just think that um, Mike Novell, man, he's the guy that he's going to he's going to get it done. Like, don't be surprised. Next week, gonna be some guys out there, man. Right. So, um, so any final thoughts on uh, early recruiting college? Nah, we get to arrivals and departures now. Yeah, man. So we're gonna go to arrivals and departures, man. And I want to thank all my uh all the subscribers and everybody uh tuning in. And if not, uh Doobie, the number one energy drink online, uh way cheaper than Red Bull, way cheaper than uh Monster, all that shit stuff you buy from out of the store. You go to doobie.gg, 
Use the description code that's in the description of this uh, live stream. You get 10% off on your first order using the keyword Copilots. Go to doobie.gg. Great stuff. And uh, get, you some, get, get your energy on, man. Most definitely, man. Uh, so we're going to get right into arrivals and departures, man. And uh, I'm going to start with my arrivals, man. Uh, my arrival is, man, I'm going to go with the boy, Jacksonville Jaguar, Antonio Johnson, man. He's been balling, man. Uh, and I think that he's going to be on this roster for years to come. Uh, and they're going to have to make some decisions probably. I'm not sure if Rayshon Jenkins' contract's up. I know he was signed in the free agency, what, a couple years ago? So right. we're going to have to make some decisions with him. We may have to let him go. Uh, Antonio Johnson been playing, been playing well, solid. And I think he's a guy, uh, one of my rivals. Um. I think you looked on my paper because you said the exact same thing that I was going to say, Antonio Johnson. That's my rival. And yeah, nah. I was also going to mention the um the thing with Rayshon Jenkins as well, that um I think in order to save money, I think Rayshon Jenkins could be the, one of those players that's going to be out, you yep. know, in order to save money. And bringing him in along with um playing in the secondary with Cisco. Yeah, I agree. So I, I um, see what happened. And also, man, I want also got I also have to point this out because I don't think this um I don't think enough light has been shed on this here since we're talking about the Jaguars. Um don't you know that um um Trayvon Walker and and um Josh Allen um has the most combined sacks for, for any duo in, in, in the NFL? I didn't know that. Yeah. Definitely know that, man. So, um, Josh Allen has like what, like sixteen and a half, and Trayvon Walker also has nine. I think if he get a sack or a sack and a half, that he will triple his what he did in his rookie season. So, I think that man, we have to um look at it, and he also has um more sacks than the um than um Aiden Hutchinson right now. Mm. So. After look at this, I, I don't think enough light has been shed on it because we went on a four game losing streak. But um, I think that it seems like he's trying to come around, man. You get, he got nine sacks in his second season, like he's trying to come around. So we'll put him as my um arrive, one of my rivals for this week. Okay. All right. So my departures this week, man. I'm gonna have to do it. Um. I got to go with Florida State Seminoles, man. The only reason why I'm going Florida State Seminoles as a, as a departure is because we got we got throttled in the bowl game. It was a bad look. Um, and, you know, I haven't been watching a whole lot of, you know, college football since the, the whole thing with, we got shafted. So I don't really have no really old departure other than to give it to Florida State. But if I had to think of one off the fly right now, I probably would give it to uh, – the college playoff committee, just off the strength of um, the teams that y'all trumped over Florida State, they got put out in the first game. And we talked about all this stuff about, oh, man, quarterback play and all quarterback play and all this. And then you look at Miro's stat line last night, and it's like, bro, <laughs> really, y'all? Yeah, yeah. So, right. yeah. That's what, that's what I'm going to roll. I'm rolling the college playoff committee. Y'all got y'all on the departures two times on the mm -hmm. Copilot podcast. Um, my departure is the owner of the Carolina Panthers for throwing mm. that dog on drink on the fan. Um, you was in Duval County, 
Good thing you was behind in your press box because it probably could have got a little crazy out there. You already, you already know how I get in Jacksonville, Florida, man. And um, it was a good thing because the fan turned around. He went like looked towards that way, but um, you know it's a bad look for him as well. You been owning the franchise, and I think they um think they're going to come down with some type of disciplinary. From whatnot, don't know, but they've been, they've been talking about it on on TV. So, but yeah, that's my departure. You know what I'm saying for throwing a drink on on one of our beloved Jacksonville Jaguar fans. That's what's up though. And if it was me as a Jaguar fan, if you that fan out there, I would sue the hell out of his ass. Oh, I'm I'm hurt. That drink hurt. Yeah. It stinked the back of my neck. Got in my uh, eye. I, I can't. I'm suing. You a billionaire? now? I'm finna sue you. You got alcohol in my eye. For real. <laughs> I can't see right, right now. Suck, you know yeah, I had to drive. I had to drive home. Yeah, man. Dude, I could hurt. I was distraught. Exactly. You better <laughs> know it. So uh any final thoughts, man, for this week's podcast, bro? No, man. Just, you know, happy New Year's, man. Thank y'all for rocking out with us, man. You know, we're gonna try to, you know, we're gonna continue to get better at this thing. It's it's a learning curve, but you know, we just thank God for everything, man. Thank God for the new year. And um also, man, my fitness program, man, look out for it. Want to thank our sponsor, um, Doobie Energy Drink. I mean, just thank God for everything, man. That's what's up, man. And with that, we're going to conclude the show for the night, man. I want to thank everybody for tuning in with us, man. I know it was kind of late getting on, man, but life stuff happens, man. But we try to stay consistent. And again, like Greg said, we're going to get better at this thing, bro. We, we, we work in progress, man. But we want to thank y'all for, for rocking with us. We hey, love you guys, man. We out for a second. Um, go ahead. Um, Clarence Rogers, thirty. Say the co-pilots are the best show out, man. We appreciate that, man. Much love, oh, Clarence, appreciate man. That. Appreciate that. That's my old. Uh, we worked. We was in the army together, man. Uh, okay. back in Afghanistan, back in two thousand and oh, was what that was two thousand twelve, I believe. Yeah, yeah, man. We served together, man. That's my dog, man. So yeah, I appreciate it, man. That. He always supporting, man. And I love that, man. You know that I got, you know. You know, people that really rock with us, man, they, they, they love the show, man. Right. And so on that note, man, we out, man. Support us on all streaming platforms. Do, um, let me put let me put the banner up real quick, man. Um, all our platforms that we own. And let me go ahead and find it real quick. Banner. Uh, let me go ahead. All right. Check us out on all these screaming platforms right here. We on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Shit, you can even hit me up on Inst on uh on LinkedIn, bro. We on Rumble, man. We everywhere, man. And on that note, it's your boy Joe. This your boy Greg. And we out. Peace. Yep.